This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. I am Matteo Rizzi, the executive producer of the show. Show number 194, and uh, we are into the ecosystem Zoom in, uh, talking about the Danish case uh, with my friend Thomas. Thomas, welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you so much. Pleasure. And and we have uh, the, you know, I, I don't know if I want to reveal uh, the happy news that I just heard, but we have... Uh, the co-founder and CEO of LunarCan. Welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you, Matir. Thank you for having me. And <laughs> hello to you as well, Thomas. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, let's uh, like quick, super quick intro, uh, like a couple of minutes. Maybe let's start with uh, with you, Ken, you know, happy, happy father of a unicorn. Uh, and tell us a little bit your story in two minutes, please. Sure. So I think I, in many ways, I see myself as a fintech veteran. So uh, mm-hmm. I founded a business back in 2012 that did point of sale. And a couple of years later, that business got acquired. And then uh, alongside two of my really great friends, we founded Luna in mm-hmm. 2015, which at that point in time was uh, just you know a small Danish fintech company. A couple of years later, we decided to apply for a banking license, which we achieved in 2019. That was the first independent banking license in more than 10 years in Denmark. Went live in 2020, and now we serve 750,000 customers across the Scandinavian region. Cool, cool, cool. That's like a, sounds one of the neobank story that ended up well. There are not many. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we'll be one of those of the great yes, ones. Yes, 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 yes. It, it, it looks like. Uh, Thomas, a couple of words about you, please. Sure, sure, sure. Not quite as impressive as Kent, but as Kent's, but um, so I, I actually don't come from an entrepreneurial background, but from a long background uh, of financial services. Um, and then in 2016, we founded Copenhagen FinTech, which is a a, prof, a non-profit, an association, and uh, with the aim of trying to grow and support the the Danish and now also the uh, very much the Nordic fintech ecosystem. And we do that in several ways. Uh, we do it uh, running different programs. We do it. We have a we have two offices, uh, both in Denmark in um, in Copenhagen and the second largest city of Aarhus. Um, and then we run different research projects, accelerator programs, incubation programs, um, and and stuff like that. So so we do a lot of different activities. But I think more importantly. Uh, we run a global network of both fintechs, financial institutions, investors, and then we try to gather in uh, try to gather them in Copenhagen every year. In September, it's coming up next week, where you will also be there, Matteo. Uh, a couple of thousand people out of Copenhagen, the biggest fintech conference, um, where we're trying to like zoom in and bring the world 
to uh, to the Nordics. And then, and on a side note here, we also um, uh, facilitated a uh, early stage venture fund last year uh, called Offin. Uh, so Offin is um, is investing in in Nordic fintech companies primarily. Yeah, I mean, I actually wanted to give you an assist anyway about the Nordics uh, uh, FinTech Week uh, or festival uh, gathering uh, that uh, indeed I will be, um, I will have the pleasure to to participate, uh, you know, with, with a bunch of international speakers, you know, our friends of Nendo will be there uh, from from NIS slash Elevandi. And I'm looking forward for, Actually, it's one of the largest, uh, certainly in uh, in Europe. But also, what I wanted to say as well, and and actually, it's for for both of you to uh, to chip in, I'm making this consideration that you know Nordics is a little bit of the cradle of, of innovation in general, of the tech in- innovation in Europe, right? Like back into the Nokia, like a brilliant days, right? Uh, then, of course, uh, that story we all knew, you know, where, where it went. But do you think, that, and I was actually reading that, uh, you know, uh, there is a diaspora of uh, unicorns, entrepreneurs that sort of went out from the stripes of this world. And they and they built themselves, you know, a number of unicorns. I read something like uh, 65,000 uh, employees, you know, generated from... Uh, former alumni, right? So don't you think that uh, like uh, Nokia's footsteps, you know, 30 years ago, kind of were the, the, like the, the first way for the Nordics to sort of start, uh, you know, leaving a footprint uh, into, the, into the tech universe that then, of course, morph into the, into the fintech one. What do, you guys, uh, what do you guys think? You want to go first, Ken? Yeah, I I don't know. You 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 might be onto something. I'm not um, that familiar with um, former Nokia people uh, expanding into business, but I think overall, I think you 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 have a you know great argument that I think the Nordic region is a cradle in many ways. So whether that is from Nokia or from um, from other other type of businesses, I don't know. But I think what we're seeing right now is, I think we're seeing kind of the you know coming to the third generation of really large Nordic companies. And we can see that from the first and second generation of businesses, uh, that those guys are becoming investors and supporters and second time founders. So it's it's definitely accelerating in the Nordics. And some of those might be from, from Nokia days or later on from Skype or from Spotify or from other type of businesses. So so yeah, definitely a good point. And I think if you look at, and I think that's an interesting fact, if you look at most international rankings of most innovative countries, around the world and actually also most digitized countries you actually find the nordic countries pretty much all of them in top 10 so there is something there and i think that goes back to i think there's there's several several things but it it comes back to our way of thinking design and that actually goes back all the way to you know in the 60s the danish architects the nordic architects furniture production and stuff like that thinking around human centered design there's a lot uh, there's a lot of the cultural heritage when it comes to um very flat uh hierarchies so 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 everyone is allowed to speak their mind you know in every in every article you read around you know what's the what's the most important component of innovation 
that is actually psychological safety and, and being able to speak your mind and so on and so forth, right? And you have that in the Nordics. And then then I think you're right in the sense when you mentioned Nokia, the telco industry, and I think especially in Finland and in Sweden, uh, that accelerated a lot of innovation in the Nordic region also. So I think I think you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening here where we traditionally have struggled a bit is actually uh, scaling those. But I think we're learning that also how to scale companies. Um, so so but but that's on more on the challenge side, right? There's a lot of good ideas. There's a lot of innovation happening. A lot of really cool companies, uh, especially in the fintech space. And then we just need to. Uh, to grow them big. Actually, I, I, I wanted to take the opportunity to have uh, like the two sides of the same story here in the in the conversation and uh, and ask a question about, uh, you know, what is really the the, the value of having uh, an ecosystem builder, you know, like an association or, or, or any sort of catalyst, you know, that puts together, you know, the regulator, the investors, the startups, the tech players, the incumbents, uh, and and make it really self-sustainable and not simply like a facade, a marketing facade, just to say, hey, we also have an association. And then, sort of the same question for Ken, and uh, you know, uh, as as an entrepreneur, you know, what do you think is the value that uh, this type of association, you know, had, uh, and and you could uh, enjoy or not? What were the challenges? what could have been done differently and what should be done for having more lunars in the ecosystem. Thomas, you first. All right. I was I was actually inclined to say that that should be a hint that answers that question first before <laughs> I start speaking of the value of my own organization. But <laughs> I think... No, so, you, te- you can talk about the challenges. So, for example, yeah. of making it self-sustainable, which is yeah. where a lot of association fails. But I, I think if you look at the Nordics and especially Denmark, right, obvious things, small region and small countries, right? And none of our countries are actually, if you take the fintech space, are actually not uh, financial centers. So I think, you know, if you go to London, New York, Toronto, uh, Singapore, you have these massive global banks represented, right? You have a lot of talent, financial talent, of course, a lot of tech talent and, and so on and so forth. And and the Nordic capitals, whether it's it's Stockholm or or Copenhagen or Oslo or Helsinki and whatever, yeah, they're not known as financial centers. I think we're known as 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 tech hubs and entrepreneurial hubs. And and as we talked about before, there's a lot of innovation going on. But but obviously, I think one of the advantages and but also the challenges is that how do you create a fintech hub in a place where you don't have a financial center. And and I think that's that's partly what we have been trying to do and saying, okay, you know, we know we cannot, we cannot, because of the sheer size of the region and the countries, never be the biggest, but we can be the most connected. So we spend a lot of time since the beginning of Copenhagen FinTech to say we need to we need to draw the world to the Nordics and tell the Nordic story. Uh, and we need to get all these tech companies, financial institutions from around the world to look at the Nordics and especially Copenhagen and see what's going on there. And 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 I think to some extent, at least, we've succeeded in 
when I go traveling now, whether it's Singapore or wherever it is, uh, you know, they they know that, you know, something is going on. Uh, they haven't always been there, but then we try to bring companies to them and, and we see increasingly that Nordic fintech companies are scaling their products and services out of Europe, which was also very much a goal for us when we began in uh, when we began 2016. I have a, I have a follow up question on uh, on this, but before you know, Ken, please chip in. Yeah, well, I think you know, having known Thomas for for more than a few few years, I know he's a humble guy. He's not going to give credit to himself, so I might as well do that. <laughs> so I, I, I think I, I think there's you know. N- I think it's just amazing what what Thomas and his colleagues have done for Copenhagen FinSigs. You know, as a founder operating your business, that's your whole life, right? You're spending all your waking hours on building your business. So obviously you want to you want to expand your network, you want to meet other FinTech peers, you want to talk to the incumbents. There's loads of things that you want to do, but you're just super focused on building your business. And and I think for Thomas to kind of set sail for Copenhagen FinTech initially at a point in time where FinTech maybe in Denmark or in the Nordics broadly was not that known. And the persistency that him and his colleagues laid forward just pushing through has been second to none. So that has been tremendous for, for, for me as a founder and for Luna's journey to, you know, join in on events, being there in activities and conferences. You know, we have, we've had dinners in London, we've had field trips across the world. So, it's a, you know, there's so many things that Copenhagen FinTech have done. And, you know, connecting that to persistency, when, when Thomas initially launched with his colleagues, there was a bunch of other... Um, similar type of organizations launching in the Nordics, few of those have remained. So I think that also speaks about the um, of the of the, the persistency that, that that Thomas and his colleagues had laid forward. And again, co- coming from a region here, the Nordics that is only twenty seven million, must be really really difficult uh, in contrast to the size of the world, right? I, but but I think. I remember um, I, I went to an event uh, a couple of years ago with Obama here in the Nordics. And Obama, he said, you guys in the Nordics, you're punching above your weight. And I think that's yeah. definitely what, what Thomas and, uh, and his fintech colleagues have been doing. That's, uh, it is actually very uh, relevant to, this, to the way I wanted to build up the question and bouncing it back to, to, to both of you. I've been to Cyprus uh, for the Cyprus uh, uh, fintech summit a couple of weeks ago, and and you know of course uh, every relatively small ecosystem wants to find its own uh, its own identity, right, and its own way to like become unique or attract that specific uh, sort of uh, uh, unique expertise in terms of talent or in terms of easy to regulate a specific business, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And my question is, uh, how much of uh, the success uh, in doing that uh, is uh, like uh, investment? How much is about pure money? Because one could argue, yes, you know, Denmark is small, but it's very rich. So that's why you guys managed to do this, right? Uh, or, uh, you know, Luxembourg, I- even smaller, probably even richer. And, and, and uh, you know, and also like uh, the cradle of a very specific uh, business within fintech so it was easier to do it and you know cyprus you know they might do it in crypto maybe but you know it, they don't have the same chance so how much like how much like uh, um, is is the credit is to the mentality mindset of the government uh, and the, the ecosystem in in general like uh, 
history or simply like a pure hard work because maybe the same money that was invested in the fintech space in Denmark, Cyprus could put it, you know, and I'm just like really hmm. thinking out loud and how much of it is simply doing this at the at the right time. Thomas. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So I, I think... To be honest, I, th I think if you cut it, cut it to the core, I think two things drives an ecosystem and it's access to risk capital, it's access to talent, right? And I, I think that has been our focus from the from the very beginning and also why we in the end also decided to to see what like kind of role can we play in facilitating an early stage venture fund. But 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 I think access to 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 risk capital and access to talent, and if you look at the if you look at the numbers uh, right now, Danish fintech Danish fintech founders, because not all of them are headquartered in Denmark, but but in in 2021, uh, you know, 9.5 billion Danish kroners was invested in 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 fintech. 2022, I think it follows the same trajectory as many other countries. 3.1. Now we are in 2023. We are around 1.1 billion Danish kroners, right? So it's 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 certainly gone down, but I think 80% of that money is actually, and I think Luna is a great story of actually the opposite, but most of the investments in also in Danish fintech is actually coming from, from outside of Denmark, especially when we take uh, the later rounds. But I think here again, Ken has a great story of, of actually being able to scale on on uh, on Danish money also. So and then and then there's the access to talent, right? And that's also what we're trying to do here in in gathering this community, global community, to to Copenhagen and the Nordics, and 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 make them understand, you know, the the livability, the you know how how things work in the Nordics, and and why it's a great place. It is actually a great place to build a company. And I think if we look at it, it if you look at a, a, a country like Denmark, you know, Luna is the obvious example of a unicorn being built in Denmark. Plio, uh, most guys also know Plio. Uh, I think yeah. they're in 15, 16. One of the co-founders is Italian. That's what I, that's why you that know. Is right. That is right. That is right, Matteo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's the CTO, right? Um, and, but, but the first one in was actually Trade Shift, right? Uh, they're now headquartered in in San Francisco, but TradeShift is also uh, is also with Danish founders, right? And then yeah. when we opened uh, the lab, one of the first ones, uh, first companies that moved in was Michael Groenier that founded Chainalysis. Yeah. Uh, you know, also a Dane, and and you know you can continue. We have Banking Circle that grew out of Saxo Bank, uh, Public.com. You have. Uh, you know, also with the Danish co-founder and so on and so forth. So, so we have actually a tradition for building financial technology. SimCorp, you know, they are building technology for for the world's biggest asset managers and are being now being acquired by Deutsche Börse. So, so there is actually kind of a legacy here. I think you can. You probably also have a little bit of a. And I think especially your story with attracting Danish capital is interesting in this context here. Yeah, I think, and I think, I mean, to your question, I think, uh, I actually think that the majority of, of, um, the path to success is hard work to your own, to your own topic, right? It's, uh, it's easy to think about something, but it's not, it's not easy to attract capital to a six million strong country or 27 million strong region, right? That is super difficult. So I think yes. even though we're kind of standing on, on the shoulders of some giants in the Nordic region, it hasn't been a walk in the park. And I think those companies that Thomas just mentioned, 
are great examples of, of, of you know, the new generation of businesses um, pushing forward. So guys, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how are the more traditional players of, uh, of, the, of the region um, reacting or, or, or like to contribute, right? To the, because uh, remember I worked for Swift, you, you can, might not know it, but uh, I, I worked for Swift for 13 years. And uh, uh, in the last uh, like a four or five, I was dealing with the innovation side. And I think that I saw the, uh, the, the, the rise of the, of the FinTech space as well. We did not try, but just before, I was actually selling uh, what uh, used to be called uh, uh, Swift corporate solutions. You know, when large corporations could have their own Swift machine, uh, having a single window, access to all the banks, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, you know, banks were at the forefront of this, of this innovation. And I remember vividly, you know, some of the conversations with some of the, the idea of the, of the situation of the Danske Bank and these banks be, being pretty like uh, uh, the appetite of risk, paradoxically speaking, was actually pretty big. And I'm talking about the pre-fintech area. How is this uh, appetite or has this appetite evolved? You know, when, when fintech sort of uh, asked for a much faster like uh, acceleration in terms of innovation, flexibility, way to acquire customers, you know, build products, you know, where are the incumbents uh, uh, positioned right now? Maybe Ken, you, you, as, yeah, yeah. as these are your t- more traditional competitors, yeah. you have the, a privileged view, right? <laughs> oh, look, it's a, it's a good question. L- let me give it a hard thought because, you know, I see myself as a rebellion fighting, uh, fighting the dark side. And, yeah. and in many ways, I see the Nordic incumbents as uh, six death stars that we're <laughs> trying to bring down. But, uh, but jo- jokes aside, I think the Nordic incumbents are doing a tremendous job. And I think they have actually historically been, been leaders in the globe. On, on, on bringing new endeavors, um, showing new, new experiences, new product lines uh, in many ways. And I think they continue to do so. However, I think if you, if you kind of dissect the Nordic landscape, I think you have to look at, at the incumbents as a three-layer cake. You have three layers in that cake, right? At least it's a cake, you know? It yeah, yeah it's a cake. It's a cake, <laughs> but, it's, but it's not only uh, sweets and sugar. So the, to- <laughs> the, the top layer of that cake is their digital capabilities and their product innovation. And that is truly great, right? We have seen incumbent banks spearheading P2P initiatives, um, you know, new ways of thinking mortgages over the last generation. So many systems and products is just super great in that first layer of the cake. So I think, you know, if we took Nordic incumbents products to other territories in the world, it would definitely be crushing it. Those guys do amazing products. Um, then if you take uh, the lower layer of the cake, that is the core infrastructure in the Nordic region. This is our clearing system. It's our payment rails. It's our account infrastructure. That is probably second to none also on a global level. We have an amazing infrastructure in the Nordic region. We have uh, instant payments, instant clearing setups. We have uh, national identification protocols so we can easily identify customers and businesses. We have just an amazing setup. The middle layer of that cake, and that's the bittersweet part, that is the incumbent's own infrastructure. 
And that is basically still a nightmare from, 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 from you know, years and years back. So I think that is also the opportunity for companies like us and like other fintechs in the Nordics that you have a great infrastructure to tap into and you have a high level of, of competition because incumbents are doing a great job on the front end. But if you can beat all three layers in the cake, you can actually outcompete some of the world's leading banks that we're doing here in the Nordics. Thomas. Yeah, I, I think from another perspective, but I, because I, I, I totally agree with Ken on, on, on what he said here. I, I think when it comes to being, again, coming back to some, some of the most digital countries in the world, infrastructure is great. You can build great products and services on top of that. I, I would say where I'm worried is that um, the outlook of these incumbent financial institutions and understanding how the world is moving and how fast fintech is moving and technology is transforming uh, this space, I think I'm a little bit worried that, you know, again, coming back to when we look at what's going on in Singapore, India, um, and and um, and many other countries and regions around the world, we we begin to see uh, countries and and um, and regions leapfrogging, right, and and catching up with the Nordics, and and to some extent, I'm a little bit worried that because these are these are the incumbent players to some extent are fat cats, right? It's 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 you know it's going really well. They are earning a lot of money, so why rock the boat? And I saw some interesting numbers today, and I, I won't reveal them because they're actually going to be presented at the, at the Nordic FinTech Week, and it's not going to be by me. So I just had a glance at them, and I just saw some numbers around the average number of FinTech partnerships in for Nordic financial institutions compared with uh, you know financial institutions outside of the Nordics. And, and that number was actually surprising to me because... In, it was way lower than expected and way lower than the average financial institutions outside of the Nordics, which shows a little bit like, is there this sense of urgency to transform? Uh, is there like um, like a real incentive uh, to actually do those, which I think in a few years going to be crucial for them? Uh, is it possible that they just gave up, Thomas? If they gave up because because there are too many lunars that are powerful and big and and you know and and on a super fast growth. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's. I don't think they gave up. On the contrary, actually, I think it's it's maybe on short term going a little bit uh, too well, uh, without mm -hmm. having to rock the boat a lot. Ken's been doing an amazing job here, and and obviously some really impressive growth here. Uh but but still, you know the. The sense of urgency to really do something different. The question mark is: Is that there, and and are they willing to really push it? Because I think they will need to win in just a matter of three to five years, right? And 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 that makes me a little bit worried. And that's where we are pushing also constantly for the industry to engage with this ecosystem. But you know, because the fintech companies, you know, they're gonna they're gonna seek scale and 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 they want to validate and test it in Denmark, but but then they're like they're going to other markets, right? And seeking uh, seeking partnerships with uh, other financial institutions or even what we see more of is actually you seek your scale outside of the financial industry, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's an interesting trend also. 
So you, you uh, I would like you to give you a couple of more, uh, the opportunity to, to give us a couple of more pills of what will happen in the Nordics because uh, we're going to broadcast it before. So it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be there, but uh, I, I don't pretend to be one of them. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, share a little bit what, what's, what's happening before the last question for, for both of you. Yeah, at the FinTech Festival. So we... Uh... We'll zoom in on some of these uh, kind of strongholds of the Nordics, where 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 we see uh, something special is happening, and I think that's especially within sustainability, ESG, sustainability. You know, the Nordic countries, and especially Denmark, uh, Denmark is one of the world's most sustainable countries. I think that has a large spillover effect into into financial technology, also, and and. You know, I can mention companies such as uh, Matter that is doing ESG screening and has partnerships with Nasdaq, SingLife in Singapore, Fidelity, BNP, and so on and so forth. Agrina, this um, this fintech that um, that is working within agritech and fintech and incentivizing farmers to to kind of um, change their uh, their production to being uh, regenerative. Uh, so. And, and, you know, if you look at Sweden, you have excellent examples of normative economy, Deister, and so on and so forth. So sustainability, ESG, I think especially, and, and I think can, can double-click on that also in terms of Luna, you know, bringing, um, bringing banking to, uh, to the SMEs uh, in a way that they actually understand and, and is, is uh, inclusive and transparent. And, and I, I think the whole area of SME uh, fintech or fintech-targeted SMEs uh, we really see the Nordic something interesting, partly also because of the infrastructure, the uh, infrastructure, the open uh, public data, and so on and so forth. You mentioned yourself, the Nordics are pretty wealthy uh, countries. We see a lot of different perspectives and takes on how to manage wealth from from the advisory side, and also into uh, into areas such as uh, as crypto and tokenization of of uh, alternative assets. And then, of course, you know, technology, different technologies helping the incumbents to reinvent themselves, right? But that's some of the areas. So we have tons of uh, events around um, investments. We have uh, events uh, targeted sustainability. Uh, we even have a running event, Matteo. So like Thursday morning, quarter past seven, uh, we even uh, take the fintech community running with the, with the running coach. Uh, from Luna, he's uh, offered to uh, to take us for a spin in Copenhagen. Oh, that's so cool! I'm going to sign up for it. I mean, it's uh, next time if you want, I can do a beach volley training. Yeah, for... we should do that. Exactly, <laughs> totally. Okay, one one last uh, one one last. Uh, it's, it's not really a question. It's something that I think uh, 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 Copenhagen, especially, you know, deserves it. Uh, I still remember vividly the cybers that uh, that we ran there back at the Swift uh, time. So. I don't know the, the, the ranking, but I want to say top five for sure. I think the top one is Vienna, but uh, Copenhagen, uh, you know, has, uh, you know, has the, 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 the ranking of the uh, most likable city to live uh, for, for many years. Uh, and even if it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, doesn't matter. There are so many cities. I think is something worth to mention. So, and, uh, my my question or 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 topic I want to briefly both of you talk about is the, the importance of uh, like the corporate well-being, you know, and and uh, like the, the the balance between uh, uh, like a, a personal and and professional life, which is uh, especially for entrepreneurs. Ken, I'm looking at you, you know, with uh, 
in your case, uh, very large families, for example, is something that is not easy to balance, right? Uh, and 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 I wonder, uh, you know, how important I know it is super important. So how important is uh, is a rhetorical question? But uh, I agree with me or not that this is a topic that has been neglected for so many years. Uh, Everywhere but in the Nordics, because you guys seem to have uh, found this, this sacred growl of the perfect balance, uh, you know, way before the others. You see what I mean? So everyone else is now talking about it. You guys have been doing it for so many years. That's my impression uh, from outside. What do you guys think? Ken. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think not only is Copenhagen one of the best cities to live in, but but the, not only Denmark, but maybe all the Nordic countries are all, always top yeah, five yeah. of being Absolutely. the happiest people in the yeah. world. Yeah. This is, so, so I think it's a combination. It's a combination of of company culture, of how we were, you know, how we grew up having our first um, job all together at businesses that was already thinking about that balance years ago. We also have an amazing public system for for education, for daycare, and so on. So I think we have all, you know, we have a, a really great foundation for 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 balancing your life of you know working in a startup or in a scale up, and then still being able to raise a family. So so Matteo, maybe a, I would encourage all your listeners on the pod to come come to Copenhagen and get a job uh, in the fintech sector because there is a lot of opportunities up here. Thomas. Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely agree, and I I think even I, if you are working twenty four seven for the past two weeks, but that's the exception, yeah, 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 right? <laughs> rest of the years party on. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's. I think. Uh, I I think especially it's interesting to see because uh, we we in in our lab here in Copenhagen we have around thirty five comp uh, thirty five forty companies sitting, and I think around 50 60% of the residents here in the lab are non-danes uh non-nordic actually right and and i think a lot of that comes back to to actually uh students coming to uh coming to the nordics and to copenhagen to study uh you know finding a job in a in a fintech startup uh and then settling down and and figuring out that the the quality of life the work life balance uh even though we have uh cold winters um unfortunately not that cold anymore right because of global warming <laughs> but, yeah. but so a little bit more gray and 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 all now but but you know they, the quality of life is is still excellent you know my, it it just take my team a small team of 20 people uh more than half is 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 uh is non danish speaking uh and from all corners of the world you know singapore australia um uh, italy uh, czech republic and so on and so forth so so it is a very international atmosphere where I think also many uh, many international talents uh, immediately feel at home. And you know, as we talked about before we began, I'm 51 years old. I remember when you walked around in Copenhagen 20, 30 years ago, and you you heard Danish, right? Now I walk around Copenhagen, still live here. Um, so and all I hear is English, you know. And uh, and that's you know, it people are. People are just, uh, you know, all natural in 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 speaking English also, which I think is a, is actually it's a small thing, but it actually matters. So it's a very yeah. inclusive environment. Great, guys, our our time is up. Uh, thank you so much for uh, for having shed the light on the on the Disney ecosystem. Looking forward to uh, come back in uh, in a couple of weeks and and certainly have a 
have a coffee or or a drink with uh, with both of you. Thank you very much for being with us, Thomas and Ken. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Monsieur. And the CNEC, absolutely. Looking forward uh, for the um, for the event in a couple of weeks, and uh, it's a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.